Venue IQ, the award-winning UK-based event platform, are proud to partner this podcast series. We really hope you enjoy it, and when you're done, head over to venu-iq.com to find out all about our on-demand event builder service, featuring fully branded native apps and hybrid web platforms created in as little as 24 hours. We believe in live events and getting your audience to the most important content, sponsors, exhibitors and opportunities as quickly and as easy as possible. We don't believe in gimmicks, so you won't find any avatars or digital buildings anywhere in sight. Venue IQ had already won awards for best conference technology and best use of AI. And that was before we added registration, live streaming, one-to-one video meetings, video breakout sessions and much, much more. Simple, transparent pricing that won't blow your budget from a UK-based team who really care. At Venue IQ, we work to ensure your event, whether live, virtual or both, can be a monumental success in this brave new world. That's venu-iq.com. Enjoy the podcast. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you are tuning into this edition of the Event Issue News podcast. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Mike Ford. Now, Mike is the Director of Strategic Engagement for the Full Service Agency, better known as Touch. And um, Mike's had over 20 years experience in the live event communication and engagement space. Um, Mike's worked in numerous countries, experiences multiples of cultures, industries and audiences and ultimately touch help people deliver fantastic events and experiences. Now today Mike is actually here to talk to me a little bit about the virtual world Uh, and for touch this is not something recent, it's not just a, a COVID, a pandemic thing, these guys have been doing virtual and online engagement and events for for many, many years. So he's here to talk a little bit about what they've been up to in the past, what they're up to currently, and what they think maybe is coming in the future. Um, so Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hi, good morning, or good afternoon, good evening, wherever you yes. might be. You, you have to cover it all off because you never know when somebody's exactly. going to be tuning in. Um, if we, if the world's we do, a small place. This is it, this is it. We, we still have people, I mean, I think we're, I've been interested news on something like 170 episodes now since we first started, many, many, many moons ago. But still some of that content is still relevant to people and they, they kind of right. tune back in years in the past um so yeah we, we cover it off that way but mike tell us a little bit about more about your career in the event space how you got to now be with touch or, or or managing touch like how did you get into the event space yeah so um it's a long time ago um i joined a incentive travel company back in the day 1989 i think it was um and met there my uh, one of my now business partners and director, fellow directors and our chairman, Patrick Collins. Um, and that was a company called Universal. We then took that and led that till 2008 and sold that to Ashfield, um, which then became Universal World Events, then became Ashfield Meeting and Events. Um, and then we started Touch about 10 years ago now um, with a with a view to doing things slightly different. We were very much event management at our at its core, yep. um, whereas with Touch, it was much more around engagement, whilst clearly still focused on events, but it was much more around really engaging audiences in a different way, because we felt there was an opportunity to do things differently. Yep. Um, and that's what how we started Touch, and now we're um, 70 odd people, offices in the US and here, um, doing a, a wide range of 
activities, not just in the event space, but in communications, in creative, in strategy, production. And, and obviously, uh, most recently, although we've been doing it probably for four years now, we've seen a major uptick in the uh, virtual engagement space. Absolutely. So four years ago then, what did, what did the first virtual event you were involved in look like and, and what was the reason behind doing something like that because that was quite pioneering even four years ago you know we, there wasn't much about much many people around doing it yeah so we started talking to one client specifically um they ran a global brand forum which in essence was them bringing together all of their global sales and marketing mm. functions and they did that as a face-to-face -face event for five years um and then it got to two thousand. and so in 2016 we said well why don't you try and um encourage a wider audience by running this virtually so in essence a hybrid so you do the live event but you stream it and you create an, an, an online audience for your your other thousands of employees can join um, and they weren't comfortable with it in 16 um, in 17 um, we went and spoke to, and they we ran it as a hybrid and then it went fully virtual in 18 mainly because they were going through some major budget constraints and they said look we're gonna we can't run this meeting um, and we said, well, we can probably do it virtually, fully virtual for 10 to 20% of your investment. Wow. And they said, okay, can you show that to us? And so we did, we went to them with the concept um, and we ran what was then called virtual brand forum um, in 2018, which started way back in 17 from a planning perspective. Um, and we turned what was a three day virtual event, a three day face to face event into a 16 week virtual campaign with a number of number of live points along that journey. Um, and then we, that actually, we won awards for that, three awards for that last year um, as the best use of technology, best use of best healthcare event in a digital space. So just going back then just a little bit, you mentioned, I think, was it 2016 that the customer was quite resistant to, yeah. to, to going that route? what what do you think that what do you think that main driver of resistance was and what do you think changed their mind i know you mentioned budget but were there other things as well what no it was purely budget it was this is it's either going to happen this way or not at all because we physically don't have the the funds so it was more about how can we can we deliver this they then bought into it um and so it was resistance is the change people they they thought no we're not ready for that you know we get all the value out of it from a face-to-face -face perspective mm -hmm. um and I think that's human nature. I think that's the evolution we're on. You still see many organizers, even today, facing those same challenges of change. We've been forced to go there now as a society and as an industry. Um, yeah. Our hands been tied behind our back to go there. Um, many, and there's many, uh, many learnings, even in the six months since everyone's had to jump on that virtual bandwagon. Um, there's many learnings along that way, but the biggest has been around, you know, human nature and, and need for change, whereas actually change has driven us versus us driving the change. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Me being, I guess, so into technology, and that's outside of the events industry, I, I embrace the change personally. I'm, I'm a first adopter. I like to get the latest and greatest. I was that geek last night watching the apple keynote seeing yeah. what new tech they've got come out so do you so, queue outside the apple store for the latest phones are not you one quite, of those not quite man <laughs> amazon is my best friend i can just okay. order it and it gets delivered now I, I probably would have been back in the day if i'd have uh, maybe when i was younger had a bit more free cash and, and kind right. of had that had that ability but i've always been a, a first adopter and for me 
coming from that background, I always could see the potential in hosting online or hybrid events or virtual events. I've never had the constraints of budget to do that, but I can see, you know, it's interesting to me that I've seen through, like you said, forced, being forced down the route, the adoption and, and I guess the level of innovation and change that the industry is going through at the moment. I, I know yeah. there's lots of people out there, me included, that can't wait to get back to physical events because there's something really special, but virtual and hybrid offers so many other advantages in addition to face-to-face -face, I think it would be remiss of us to kind of dismiss that going forward and, and kind of leave it behind yeah totally and I'd agree with that and I think the biggest challenge question that people are asking is what's the future you mm. know because I think there is always value in face-to-face -face. we're human beings at the end of the day and that human interaction that networking that physical connection of reading someone's body language seeing them connecting with people feeling the energy in a room that won't that won't go away in terms of being a human need no but that either or argument i think needs to evolve into an argument uh, into a story of and so i don't think it's an either or nor yep. it's an and so how, what does that and look like and for us the future is and in, in, in our humble opinion is it's about and so how do we how do we embrace and encourage audiences to embrace virtual. And there's some, there's some, there are many pitfalls and things that you need to consider. Um, but also in future, when it is face to face, it's not a case of, well, let's just wait till this phase is over and then it will go back to the way it was. It, in my opinion, it won't go back to the way it was. There's so many benefits of the virtual and digital engagement, if you get it right, that can complement the face to face. So the model, in terms of how you strategically deploy a budget, a, uh, a campaign, a need to get an audience together, the way you strategically deploy it won't be a, well, let's do it face-to-face -face or let's do it virtual. There's an opportunity to do either or, but the and in the middle. I'd love to quiz you some more on that strategy and some of the benefits and the outcomes and the learnings. Cause I think, you know, I, well, I know many people that listen to this podcast and that are reading event issue news at the moment and now at a phase where they're kind of going, okay, we, we need to have real world experiences. So I'll come back on to that. But what do you what do you see as the major change since that first event four years ago to to what you're delivering now? Do they look the same? Are they different in ways? What what's um, I think I I think um, they look very different in strategically the way you deploy them now is very different. And I'll give you an example. So. Um, Back then, when we've had that first conversation with client, and even early days of COVID in terms of people, I, I don't necessarily like the word, but pivoting to virtual, yep. um, they were looking at how do I, I was planning on doing this event, how do I replicate that in a virtual space? Mm -hmm. And so the first initial um, deployment of virtual was, I've got this two-day event for internal teams, or I've got this two-day customer event, or there's this association congress, or there's this trade show, I'm going to replicate that in a virtual world. So they've gone from an event physical to an event virtual. That was the initial move. And that is still happening today. Yeah. Yeah. But the conversations moved on to saying, actually, in a virtual world, I can engage people in a very different way. So why do I need to run a two-day event in a as a one-off event? Why can't I run that as a series of eight one-hour sessions versus a full two day event. So the way that, and then they're thinking, okay, so how can I engage this audience for longer, earlier and deeper? So, 
actually, do I need a different kind of strategy here, more of a communications and more of an engagement strategy versus an event strategy that says, well, I can create continuous conversation. I can create, so we've had one client, a financial services client, who have taken what were two advisory council activities. So there's a group of 50 um, merchants, big, big ticket customers, who they would normally engage twice a year in an advisory council meeting. They've, instead of running those as two events, they're now looking at running an ongoing engagement camp where they do something every month for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. And that might be a, a new keynote speaker. That might be an update from some of the merchants feeding back in. Uh, and it, so it's, it's deployed in a very different way. So there's much more enterprise-wide conversations going on versus event-by-event -event conversations going on. And that for us has been the biggest strategic journey that we're seeing clients go on. So to me, one of the biggest benefits there, thinking about myself, if I was engaging with that event, you know, event, events are quite big commitments. Generally, you know, they're hosted in nice places, which might mean that you need to travel to them. So there's a, there's a big commitment there in time. And sometimes depending on who you're trying to get as well, trying to get those people to that place for that amount of time is, it's one of the biggest challenges around events, right? It's, it's getting the audience to, yeah. to commit to yeah. it and, and invest the time. But for me, delivering a, um, an event as a strategy like that, you create multiple moments in time which are a little bit easier to commit to, manage around other commitments, your day work, your, your role, your job, your business. And, and almost, I would imagine, a lot easier to digest as well because we all know conference fatigue, don't we? We're like, we, we start off fresh in the morning, we have that carb-heavy lunch, and then by mid-afternoon, we're all ready to, to kind of slump in our chairs and relax and and it all starts to go a bit fuzzy towards the end of the end of the end of the day so would you agree with that or, or and there are there other things that you see as benefits to to delivering a, an event that way yeah and totally agree with that and i think that the and using your your analogy of the lunch and the post-carb actually we have a phrase of it has to be snackable and yeah. that people people will only engage virtually so in front of a computer or on a device They'll only engage for a certain amount of time. And by engage, we mean being fully engaged, yeah. i.e. really engaged in the content, asking questions, um, navigating the platform, portals, to, you know, really engaged in the narrative for a snackable amount of time. If So if you had a keynote or a session which was four hours, replicating that into a four-hour session online well, with all due respect, you're not going to get the same level of engagement. So you have to engage in a different way. So we, won't, we try and avoid any keynote presentation be any longer than 30 minutes because you've got to a two-hour window, in essence, really, of people's attention before they're going to go and do something else. You know, the kid's going to be, the dog's going to be barking or someone's going to be at the front door or they need to go because they've got another call to go on or another Microsoft Teams or another Zoom call. So you need to recognize people are in a completely different environment than being in, let's say, a captive audience in a, in, a physical, in a physical room. So you have to deploy your event strategy in a very different way. And that's the piece which has been the biggest learning for customers. And that's the other piece is our most organizations have been delivering face-to-face -face events, whether using agencies or doing it direct or they've been doing it for a number of years. And so there's experience on both sides of the, you know, between the venue, between the client, between the agencies involved, third parties, there's experience all around. In a virtual world, there's a lack of experience. So to some extent, is it blind leading the blind? The customers don't know what they don't know. 
do, how many agencies really understand how people engage in a virtual world? So who's leading the conversation? So that for us is really critical because it's a, you have to guide your clients through that strategic deployment. It isn't as simple as, although they might think it is picking up what is a eight hour event or a two day event and replicating that in a virtual world. It doesn't work that way. So that for us is the, yeah, one of I the biggest. I think that's been one of the biggest pitfalls I've seen because it has the word event around it. We've automatically assumed that we can replicate what we do online. And you, you're so exactly. right. I mean, let's look at social media. Let's look at the length of Netflix podcasts. Like, they all, you know, are created this um, environment, which is small, short, sharp to point. And it has this dopamine effect on the brain, which you get keep getting rewarded. That's why things like TikTok, which are maximum 60 seconds, work so well, because it's, yeah. it's the next bit of content, the next bit of content, that, that change in direction or tempo or speaker or session or whatever, just keeps people kind of still there. And, and we're doing that with, with one of our shows, Event Tech Live in November. I don't think we've got any session longer planned than about 25 minutes at the moment, because right. for me, the way that I engage, that, that drop-off happens really quickly. Because it, and it's my attention span. It's not necessarily even the speaker or the content. It's just my own mental yeah. kind of focus that, that starts to drift. Start to think about other things and what's, have I got an email? What's that WhatsApp that's just come through and that kind of stuff. And that, that still happens in the, in the virtual world, doesn't it? Even more so in, in some circumstances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think we're challenged with, the, one of the biggest challenges is we're coming up against zoom fatigue so mm. where people are working remotely from home more and more regularly now and have been for the last six months we're competing with that as our as their next the next stage which the, the audience have either been engaged with before they come to your session or after so how do you differentiate so many companies in fact i'll give you a, i won't say who it is but a, a, a live example this week there's a four-day and we're not involved in running this European-wide event, being run on Microsoft Teams with a country-specific meeting one day in the middle. Okay. Four days of Microsoft Teams for six hours a day. Who wow. thought that up? Really? That You're not going to get the level of engagement. Now, that one day in between for the UK business, we're, we're running that in a completely different way. And that is today. That's going live today. Being run with virtual studios, games, interactive content on the, on the platform, because people don't just want to sit on Microsoft Teams for four hours or six hours for four hours, four days a week. They don't want to do it because they're doing it. Every, so you're not differentiating your content from anybody else's, however yeah. good the content is. I don't know what you think as well, but there was a really interesting tweet by somebody this morning that I follow, and, and, they, and I think this is one of the bigger challenges coming up, um, he mentioned that he traveled an hour into work to do eight hours of back-to-back -back Zoom calls. And I think Zoom and Microsoft Teams and that level of communicate, the way that we're communicating now seems to have changed a little bit. And I think that will, that will go, happen going forward because there, there is something better about seeing people face-to-face, -face, but, and, and, but there's still a place for you know, the traditional phone call. But I think the bigger challenge for us then as event organizers or event owners is then to add to that with the delivery of our content and ask them to put that into the mix will add to that fatigue as well in that environment then not only are people doing zoom calls but they're also at work engaging trying to tune into a, a session or event or a company-wide sales kickoff or something like that 
we need to come up with better ways. And I think one of the things that I've seen is people are always thinking more is better. And I don't necessarily exactly. know if that's the truth. No, I totally agree. It's not. I, I, think, I think to some extent less is more. That's why how can you, how do you turn an eight hour agenda into a two hour session? Not yeah. easy, but that's, that's where it needs to land. Where do you think virtual events, hybrid events are going then? What, what, if, you, if I asked you to look into your crystal ball now, what, what does that look like over the next 12, 18, two years, three years, if we can see that far? Um, as I said, I don't think, it's, for me, it's not a journey of either or. I think it is a journey of and. And so the, the hybrid event, I think, will become much more relevant. And by hybrid, I mean certain people there, a number of people physically there, um, and others joining and that event being streamed breakouts having some people physical some people virtual so you you create as 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 seamless an experience for the virtual attendee as you do for the live attendee and and there's obviously a number of techniques in doing that and i think what it will also bring to the fore is the production quality that sits in between all of those different elements and even in just purely virtual today is paramount everyone is focused on tech 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 how many different providers have you seen come up and say, we've now got our own tech platform. We've got this tech platform. We can do this. We actually, yeah, great. Fine. There's lots of technology out there. Your technology will always evolve and is moving very rapidly. There's 2d platforms. There's 3d immersive platforms upon which you can hold your events, which are great. And they're, and they're critical enablers. Absolutely. absolutely. But they're not the sole, they're not the sole answer. So the future for me, and it's relevant today. And I think it will just become more and more relevant is the engagement strategy. So how do you take what was a square box of an event over here and put it into a, a circle? Cause I'm not sure that actually it works. And therefore what is the strategy? How do you do that? Secondly, how do you create the right production environment? In essence, to some extent, our role becomes, we're almost creating TV shows. I couldn't agree with you. Mark. Right. Yeah. So, so our production values, our creativity and the way we create the environment, where we create the narrative, the content, the stories, how we enable people to collaborate with each other, all of those production values, we come straight to the fore. And for those companies that don't, who let's say were event management agencies, that's a tough journey, right? Because that isn't necessarily their background. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more on that fact. And, you know, to the tech platform, the tech platforms have done a fantastic job, either adopting, pivoting, delivering, changing, innovating to, to ultimately give as many bells and whistles to an organizer, depending on what, or, or, or a brand owner, depending on what they want to achieve, right? And, and they will forever evolve just the way that we mentioned it earlier. Apple is evolving and, and iterating yeah. on their technology. But the tech platforms are kind of like that. Some people will like Apple. Some people will like Samsung. Some people will want a 57-inch screen. Some people want a smaller screen. It, that, that really comes down to personal preference. For me, what's really important is actually, um, and my advice to anybody listening to this podcast, is if you're looking at tech, also interview the tech providers as if they were an extension of your team because you are an extension of their team as Touch and, and, and your AV teams and your technicians and producers and all that kind of stuff. But the tech platform also needs to, needs to bear in that. And I, I agree with you on the production. For me, the biggest money, the biggest investment is going to be on increasing the production value and the quality Definitely. of that. Again, 
to mention Apple, I am such an Apple fanboy, aren't I? Um, <laughs> to mention Apple again, you know, I again online on social, most of the comments were around the production value and the quality of even simple things that we don't think about as event organizers, like lighting and scenes totally. and sets and all these kind of things. But that makes it such a much so much more enjoyable to the audience when that thought and level of detail. So right. I wonder, I wonder if, uh, who will be the first person to kind of rope Steven Spielberg into their event or something like that. Well, Maybe we'll I, see I, famous directors get involved. Totally. And we've actually seen the skill set change in the last year here within the agency. We've got much more creative storytellers, script writers, um, producers becoming involved because how you deliver content is so let's say you de deploy a, an event platform in whether 2D or 3D, and then you go into the main auditorium for that session and it becomes a Microsoft Teams call. Well, what's the point? Yeah. It's no, you know, yeah, why would you do that? Versus actually create a virtual studio, enable, bring people in into a, a, a virtual Q&A session, make it a TV production. Um, that's, that's where the, the, for us, that's where the differentiator is. Oh, well, one of the key differentiators is, is in recognizing those production values. Quite interesting, just on this story of the value of tech. So we've actually, and I'm not saying it's because we've been successful in five or six, but we've actually taken part in six and probably seven now, virtual event provider RFPs. So mm -hmm. rather than just being an event agency um, or rostered, actually we want virtual event providers. And they're going to a number of different types of agencies for that. We've been successful in all of those and we have no technology. Interesting. So what do you We think have no technology. So we've I gone in our, cause we've got, but we've been employed as a virtual event provider mm. to provide the technology, but we don't, we've not saying we've got our own technology platform cause we don't, we've gone in and saying we're technology to some extent, technology agnostic, technology independent, but cause for us, there's no one piece of technology that fits the bill for every single client requirement. Our, our, what we bring to the table is we, 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 we have a whole host of licensed products which we use. Yep. And we say for this client, they need a piece of this, a piece of this, a piece of it. And we put them together for that specific client requirement. And, that, and we've been successful in, I think, five of those seven to date um, RFPs. But actually, the core part of that RFP is we're looking for a technology provider, but we actually don't have any technology yet. We're still winning and being very transparent about that. And that's what clients are buying. They're going, well, actually, I hear that. That makes sense because it's the way the approach to it versus the actual software itself, yeah. how it's deployed. Absolutely. It's, it's like in construction, isn't it? You don't go to one brick company and then build your house just because with that brick company, just because exactly. they have bricks. You, you go to a construction company, you can see this is the draw, these, this is the vision build me that out of the best, most cost-effective, most ecological exactly. materials out there. And, and, and ultimately you'll get what you want out of it. And I couldn't agree with you more that this is the way that events are going. I think I'm going to, you know, agencies like yourself and I'm seeing smaller individuals pop up that are very much understanding. And I, I have to say, we mentioned the word pivot earlier and I know I've got the sign in the background, which is something I've just got up at the yeah, moment is the word of the moment. And I agree to you. And one of my biggest frustrations is that would not have been a word if our industry on the whole had invested much more time in developing digital skills and broadcast level skills. And I know some of that has been forced through the necessity of it at the moment, but all of that opportunity existed before the pandemic. 
And I think that's the biggest thing that our industry will have to do is continually invest in, understand technology, understand platform, understand production, the value of production, how to do it differently, formatting of sessions, what works online, what works hybrid, yeah. what works yeah. physical, how to tie all that together. And as long as our industry invests in all of that, at company level as individuals, we will be so much stronger and, and in such a be much better position should something like this happen in the future that we're not pivoting, we're just producing. I and mean, we would just continue to go on, you know. Exactly, that's exactly. I uh, totally agree. Now, I think, I think it's a little harsh to, to say the industry didn't react, because, didn't react because the industry reacts to need. And I don't believe there was a necessarily a, a need there from the majority of customers to shift to, I gave you one example, but I'll be honest, that's one example, you know, we're running 300 events a year. That was one event in 2000 and we started in 17 in 2018, one event, which was a virtual event when we started, which then led to two in 19 before we got to the, you know, the crisis or the um, epidemic hitting and lockdown in March. So there wasn't a need in the marketplace. And I think, I think industry responds to market needs. So I think, yes, and who could have foreseen that coming so quickly. I'm not sure anyone could. So no, I think no. it's a little harsh to say we didn't, uh, we didn't respond as I think we have as an industry. And I think you'll see certain, certain type of agencies able to respond. Those that are my view, and some may not like me saying this, those that say, are and say, okay, we'll just let it pass. This is just gonna be a bad 12 months. We'll go back to the way you are. Can we get your head out of the sand? Because I don't think it, it my view is it's not going back to the way it was. And I think, but I think with that, that's not a negative. There's so much opportunity to embrace because you can actually differentiate your business. So from an event management agency, if you're a venue finding agency or you are a core event management logistics agency, you're, you've been, that market's been commoditized for the last 10, 15 years and, and yeah. continues to be commoditized. So this gives you a differentiation, an opportunity to offer so much more added value, add so many more strings to your bow from a services standpoint, than you would previously ever imagined. Now, those that embrace that and take that on, and it's not straightforward and it's not easy, there's massive opportunity ahead. Those that don't, well, then the future might be somewhat difficult. I, I totally agree. Um, I think my point around was just that the, the technology, the, the digitization, the ability to do things that existed long before the pandemic. And Definitely. I think some people were in a better position to deal with that than, than others. Yeah. Um, but you, you're right. It's, it's, you know, while the grass is green, why look over the other side of the water, right? You know, it's, yeah. it, it, while good things are good are good. I guess my, one of my last questions for you, because this, I know this is always of, of interest to our readers. What's been your favorite kind of session format? And it doesn't need to be a content session. It could be just anything that you've helped to produce that you thought, wow, that was a really good idea that left people going away feeling much much better have you got any examples that you can share with us uh in fact we did one um we did one on uh, monday this week we turned what was a company strategic um day we turned it into an s factor show so okay. in essence like the x factor and we had online auditions and then we had finalists and we created virtual studios um and that was fun and that went down and then we had virtual cocktail hours and then people voted for auditions and all this done live but in a virtual space. Um, that was one, much more on the fun side of it. We turned what was a, a, a high level, two weeks ago, a high level 
500 people senior global senior leadership meeting which was a full two-day meeting we turned that into a week of two-hour sessions um engaging these leaders and they had the feedback was phenomenal in fact once one person said you know structuring the agenda the way you did was genius enabled us to continue doing our day job yet still really engage um and some of that content um was delivered in 3d so mm -hmm. there's 3d animation it was in a 3d space so some of that was was pretty creative um for us it's it's about for us once we've done that event whether it's really creative content or whether it's actually a keynote presentation or whether it's create using interactive collaboration tools with QR codes and getting polling and people asking questions, whatever that level of complexity for us, it's the success of that. And the bit that really inspires me is clients coming back and going, I want more of that. Mm. The audience loved it. So I want more, I want more. And how do we evolve that to the next level? And when you get into sector specific stuff, specifically in healthcare, oh my God, the opportunity is significant because they have audiences they need to engage, whether they be doctors, physicians, people they can't see, patients, their own staff, the opportunity is significant. So that's what excites me about the future. Did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. For me, what I've seen, and we are already a creative sector, you know, that's, that's what we do, isn't it? We, we, we yeah. take somebody's imagination, and we make it real and make people feel amazing about an event, a brand, an experience, whatever. But interestingly, virtual or hybrid offerings have allowed us to take that even further and, and create more opportunity around doing things that might not necessarily have sat well within such a confined time frame of, let's say, a two-day sales event or a, a two-day conference for, for, for an organizer. Yeah. Allowing them to kind of spread their wings a little bit has allowed maybe now talent shows and, and cocktail hours and I've seen DJs and, and all kinds yeah, of yeah. things kind of thrown in there into the mix for engagement, which is the right thing. But I would have never seen all of that, I don't think, take place as part of a physical event because budget, time, all, all those kind of things just 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 yeah. stifle it, right? So that's yeah. one of the things that I think will will be much we'll see much more as part of events and experiences going forward, so especially in the hybrid world. So there's a key word you used there, which is, and you used, you, you used a variety of different examples. And then you said, and we use that for engagement. Mm. That for me is the industry we're in. We are now in the engagement industry. We're not in the events industry. We're in the engagement industry and the tactics of how we deploy that engagement. There's a myriad of different ways of doing it. Um, and for us, in, for me, the engagement is the key. And I'd like us to almost to, Think about rebranding our industry from being the events industry to the engagement because that's ultimately what an event is a tactic to engage and we're about audience engagement i i wonder i think you're on the right path and i wonder whether it goes one step further things that i'm seeing people talk about already is their can they're a community engagement organization so they, they they have a niche they have a community whether that be a, an external event or a or a company that that company staff are still a community and their job is to continually engage and, and and supply good content to them information news whatever and i wonder whether we'll see agencies like you you guys as well also become that community strategic support underneath it all the way through 365 days a year yeah. and and we talked about the 365 kind of engagement 
um, circle for many, many years, but now starting to really make sense that yeah. events are part of community engagement and there's podcasts and news and all that kind of yeah. things that yeah. we can deliver to them. And, but, but to do it well is going to need a strategic partner who understands many different ways of doing things and can help support a business doing it underneath and, and doing it exactly. well. Exactly. And a, an event is purely one channel under that banner of engagement. Absolutely. Mike, thank you so much for coming on today. I know we've got you guys speaking at Event Tech Live. So if, you, if you've listened or watched today and you want more of this good stuff, we've got these guys speaking at Event Tech Live in November. Mike, where can people reach out to you individually or, or check out what you're doing at Touch? Um, look at our website. It's touchassociates.com or feel free to contact me at mike.forward at touchassociates.com. Brilliant. Mike, thank you very much for coming on and we'll catch you in the next one. Yeah, you're welcome. Cheers. Thank you.